0: and welcome to another episode of 20 Questions with JCN. Today I have with me Sally O'Neill. You might know Sal from her social media account, The Fit Foodie. She's an amazing food photographer and stylist, and she works with lots of brands using those skills. She's also a pretty awesome author. She's released a couple of books, um, one that we actually do refer to even in the JCN clinic for some really inspirational batch cooking and putting meals together. She's also soon to be a nutritionist so she's been studying at Endeavor and soon will be able to use all of those skills and help people in the nutrition world. So I hope you enjoy this episode. I had an absolute blast chatting to Sal so please let me know what you think. Hey Sal.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so stoked to be on the JCN podcast, man. I'm stoked.
0: Ah, I'm really excited to have you, particularly for 20 Questions, because it's something that is relatively new. We've been doing it for about six months on and off with some pretty special guests, so it's nice to add you to the list. And
1: oh, I felt VIP. Thank you. <laughs>
0: So it's really fun, 20 questions, Um, we're just going to roll through some questions that are really about diving into you as far far as your passions, we're going to talk food, which I know you love as much as I do, a bit of lifestyle and um, yeah, it's really, really interesting because it's the same questions that we ask all of our guests, but it's always really fascinating to see what comes up as we move through. So we're going to start... Hit me. I'm going to, oh, I always love it. Every time I'm like, ooh, what's the answer going to be? <laughs> so our first section is influences, passions and goals. So our number one question here is what did you want to be when you grew up? When you were little, what was your ambitions or, or goals or what did you just want to be?
1: It's so funny because I thought about over a million different responses to this question but my, because uh, I just wanted to be everything, I was like oh, I want to be a ballerina dancer and then my brother used to, when I used to do ballet, with to teach him ballet, he used to teach me sumo wrestling as kids so ah. I wanted to be a sumo wrestler which is super random um, but overarching thing I wanted to do was to be an archaeologist because um, I figured it was like a professional treasure hunter where you just go around and dig up cool things that was it archaeologist
0: (laughs) that's so interesting yeah yeah. is it something like that is still kind of in the back of your mind in some ways do you know what I mean like is it something that you still have a passion in but it's kind of filtered through in a different way into what you do now yeah
1: yeah I guess so So when I was little we actually just to give a bit of backstory we used to our um, house used to back onto a farm and I remember going out and, like, just playing in the backyard, like, at the back of the farm and finding a sheep's skull under the ground. And I was, like, I thought it was magical. And I dug the whole thing out, took it home, put it on the kitchen table, and my mum freaked out. <laughs> and But then my dad was, like, oh, it's so magical. How cool that you found that and thought it was really cool. So I think I, like, got so much joy out of, like, finding something weird. Yeah. And then I started finding, um, sh- like... Fossilized shells and stuff from when the town that I lived in was underwater, ah. and so we had, we ended up going to um, actually taking them to the museum, and the museum offered to pay me <laughs> to put them on display. What? Um, and I was super young; I was like six or something, and I was like, "No, I want to keep them and take them to school and do a show and tell." So I t- took them to school and lost <laughs> them on the way to school. Oh no. Um, which was great but then i think i just got this passion for like um doing something fun and making money and like i probably made the connection of like i can be creative and make money yeah yeah <laughs> so sort of like do something that's not necessarily academic and make money so um in a sense it's filtered through now doing food photography i guess and um and just getting praised for making beautiful things it's kind of the same thing making and finding yeah um, But yeah, I and now I just get to do it with food all day. Exactly. Yeah, in some way, it's kind of filled. It's weird. Yeah, I was even thinking in
0: regards to like, um, like food props. You know, like the, the sort of joy of going out and hunting and finding like really interesting ornate props and like that excitement that that brings. (laughs)
1: Oh my gosh, it's actually embarrassing when I get like I get a bit squealy when I find of <laughs> like, Oh my god, I'll take six. Um, but yeah, I I hunt all the time, and people bless them on Instagram. Like, oh, where did you get your plate from? Where did you get your spoons from? This, that, and the other. And it's been like a literally a labour of love over probably mm, seven or eight years. Exactly. Um, I've just collecting stuff from corner stores and yep. random little flea markets all over the world. And um, and so, yeah, it's it's a pretty extensive prop collection now. But exactly that. Definitely treasure hunting. With yeah. Food prop, like food props.
0: That's what you it reminded me one of. One off
1: one-off kind of special thing. Yeah,
0: that's totally what I thought of when you said that as like a, a ch- in your childhood. I was like, oh, it reminds me a little bit of that in some ways. So number two is what are you passionate about? Which I know is a really big question, but is there sort of some major things that, that you're passionate about?
1: Oh, the, there's probably two, I would say. and One of them is um, kind of educating people to help themselves mm-hmm. um, and be that in food photography because I'm starting a, like an online food tutorial course soon awesome. um, or whether it be um whether it be nutrition and as i was just saying before we hopped on live um i'm five years into a six-year part-time nutrition degree so i'm almost there i just can't wait to get my knowledge that i've kind of built up over these last six years plus all the other stuff i've been researching the stuff Mm -hmm. for my own podcast that's nutrition based putting all that into um to like consolidate it and give people actual tools to walk away with and go okay I can read nutrition label now I understand Mm -hmm. how this impacts my health rather than just going oh Sally said don't have x it's like why should I not have that and how does that uh, reflect on other foods or why should I have this in moderation or whatever so I think that's um it's just learning to equip yourself with the knowledge of why and how things impact us from a nutrition perspective Mm -hmm. um rather than just giving a list of do's and don'ts, which I don't think is very helpful for people. So interestingly, off the back of that, next month I start a short course with Monash Uni about behavioural change. Oh. uh, Yeah, because I want people to be able to kind of, um, it's fine saying eat more veggies and drink more water, right? which I'm sure you see plenty of in clinics. Like, Mm -hmm. let's look at your diet. Okay, you're having a lot of caffeine. You're super stressed. Your adrenals are overworked. Um, you're craving salt, possibly because your adrenals are overworked, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it's probably a very similar picture for a lot of people. However, um, what that people know how to be healthy. They know mm. to eat lots of veg and um, generally what a balanced diet looks lo- The people that I speak to regularly generally know what a balanced diet looks like. So it's how do you take the knowledge and put it into action? And that's a Absolutely. lot where people get to the sticking point, right, of like, mm-hmm yes I know you've said drink three liters of water but I just didn't do that today and then I reach for something else and it you know it had lots of added sugar or whatever it might be so it's um it's it's trying to help people build habits which I think is another passion of mine is to take take that knowledge and actually integrate it and improve the lives for the better for the mm-hmm. long term rather than it just being like a 12-week plan or Follow these set set rules or whatever. It's like, how do we actually integrate it for long term change? So, yeah. um, so that's going to be part of when I start doing my uh, nutrition consults. That'll be something that I'll kind of weave into um, a treatment plan for someone as well. as wow. like How to actually make that behavioural change. Um, and then finally, I guess, um, kind of shining light on the diet industry and how, um, just how kind of tricky it is to see through as a consumer what's been sold to us um and to know where to best spend your money and i think everybody feels like that for Um, sure it's just one of those things that like oh it says it's fat burning oh it says it's (laughs) um magnesium on the front so it's going to be great for me but it's like actually understanding am i deficient in this if i take it as a supplement is it a therapeutic dose is it gonna benefit me is it going to interact with anything that I'm already taking? Can I get this from food? Like, there's so many mm. things that we need to question when we start taking supplements. And the diet industry plays on our vulnerability of lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a lot of it is garbage, as I've spoken about on my podcast, um, where we pull apart like a supplement each episode, mm-hmm. uh, and we basically dive into all the scientific journals and say, "This is actually the evidence that stands for magnesium." For Example, you'll know this, but there's 10 different types of commonly available magnesium, mm-hmm. and they all do slightly different things. Um, so it's like when we when somebody goes to the to Priceline, for example, and grabs a bottle of magnesium, do you know which one it is, mm, and exactly. is it the best one for you? So it's just kind of tr- trying to help people understand what they're purchasing and what's what could be potentially best for them, and to question everything, question mm-hmm. what's on the label because, um, I think we're so easily sold by the front, you know, like couple of um like call out messages on packaging but it's not necessarily the case and you've been given nutrition advice or or being conned into buying something by people who are very very intelligent marketers but yep. they're not necessarily nutritionists or dieticians oh, or whatever. and that's so,
0: so true um, at the end of the day aren't they're not yeah that that information that you're taking is actually coming to you from People who are working in advertising and marketing, like they're, they're, their goals exactly. are to sell that product. They're, they're not really yeah. thinking much more than that.
1: Absolutely. Like shift volume, what's going to sell the most. Yeah. And, and what plays on people's insecurities the most and it's generally weight loss. Yeah. Um, or because people find that quite difficult for a number of reasons. Um, and so like... Apple cider vinegar tablets became a thing and mm-hmm. fat burners are a thing. And um it's like, how are we wasting so much money on all this stuff yeah. that most of the time has very, very little benefit for us? So um so mm. that the the education piece around that through the podcast at the moment is um really, really like it's just it kills me that we spend so much money on garbage. Yeah. Um and a lot of it's untested and a lot of it has stuff in there that isn't necessarily um called out on the label. Um and we don't really have third-party testing regulations in Australia much, mm. um, which is fascinating. And the US is worse, mm-hmm. where everyone's buying from iHerb. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um,
1: so, uh, so yeah, it's just like knowing which subs to buy, which are the good ones, which are the not-so-good ones, um, and hopefully educate the people around that, because I think I'm just so passionate about how the diet industry takes people for a ride.
0: Yeah. And that's it's really interesting, just all of those three different areas, they obviously all so interrelated but I love how you're going further with your studies into the more emotional habitual relationships because I mean obviously as a practitioner working with clients for so long like the the biggest hurdle majority of the time is actually our own habits and our relationships with food and it's It's when you sit down and you're with a client for half an hour or an hour, um, and you can talk about what you wanna do and the changes like it can be great within that space. But then once they leave you, um, walk out of the clinic or virtually hanging up from that consultation, it's then up to them. And it's about how they choose to take that information and make change and to challenge habits. And if you can have tools there to work with and guide people um, through that, like from the point of view of just uh, eating healthier or also making better choices, like, or, or why, why are you wanting to buy the diet products? Like what's going on there? Like what's, what's going on with those habits around that? Like, I, I think that's really valuable that you're, you're kind of meshing all of that together
1: yeah thank you honey and i think there's so much i know from experience that there's so much and everybody does that there's so much um interrelationship between psychology and habits and food um and quite often we've got not the best habits around food and not the best relationship with food and um i'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this have read a really good book called atomic habits by Mm -hmm. james clear Mm -hmm. uh but it basically states that there's generally um an event that causes that triggers a response And so it might be uh, your boyfriend breaks up with you and your response is to eat a load of ice cream to to soothe yourself and make yourself feel better. So you take the trigger, the, the event, the trigger and the response. And it's like, how do you change that neural pathway? And I think we're so hard on ourselves as humans to say, I just wasn't motivated enough at that point in time. I was too weak. I made a bad decision but there's actually neural pathways that have been like meshed together for so long that that trigger and that response are ingrained in your habits mm-hmm. that that's what your body expects you to do so with neuroplasticity without going too sciency it's like learning to change that route of mm-hmm. kind of common response in a, in exchange to sorry in response to the trigger um and it's not necessarily just about motivation you can be incredibly motivated mm. when you're sat in a clinic faced with a nutritionist going yeah of course i'm going to do that when i get home i am going to stop smoking i'm going to do this <sighs> you know, i'm going to go to the gym five you know five mornings a week but then when you get home and real life takes over, it's like you're back in your habits. I think we repeat something like 40% of our activities every single day. So, um, and that includes eating, obviously. Mm -hmm. So, um, all the habits around that can get changed, but there's a bit of a system to, that can help, I think, oh, absolutely. change that. And quite often we don't utilise that system very well. So mm-hmm. um, integrating that with, with a nutrition consult I think will be really fun. So
0: watch yeah, this space. absolutely. <laughs> okay, so number three, who is someone that has had a defining impact on your life?
1: Oh, good question. <laughs> um, I reckon the bullies that I had in school, I hope they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Um, It's funny, actually. My dad sent me a message this morning. He was like, God, if the bullies could see you now. I got really, really bullied in school by both – this is going to sound really strange – but by um, people, obviously, like the kids in school, which is pretty normal, but also the teachers. Oh. Um, And, yeah, I think I kind of stood out like a sore thumb because I – I worked really hard from being quite. I think I got a job at thirteen, um, and then I earned my own money, and then I would buy like nice uniforms because I didn't really All have anything right. else to spend my money on at the time. Um, and and um, and then I kind of stood out because I had like <laughs> I spent my money on like designer uniform which was dumb. <laughs> um, and then uh, I don't know why I cared about that at, like twelve years old, thirteen years old. And then, um, but then it kind of just I, I, because I was kind of a straight a student as well a bit geeky went home and did my homework every night tr- wanted to excel at everything um i got super bullied and people i had like a girl try and rip my hair out somebody Ugh. burnt my new coat at school and like just all really rubbish things and i got really beaten up somebody some chick like hit my face and my glasses broke Jesus. in my eyes while the <sighs> teachers watched what um and the teachers didn't stop it and so and so it just escalated yeah. one girl got like um a criminal record and Whoa. whatnot. So so it got pretty intense. And I remember um, in response, and I don't know what made me respond in this way, but my parents were like, look, we need to move schools. This is really bad. Um, And I was like, no, I don't want to, because then they've won. And if I Mm. back down, it shows weakness. And even though I'll never see them again, to kind of um, worry about that weakness, it's just that I I feel like I'll have failed myself. And I don't know where that strength came from, but I was like, no, Mm. if I keep going to school every single day and I keep putting up with this, I think that made me incredibly resilient. So in terms of like that having a defining impact, I think that resilience has kind of seeped through the rest of my life in terms of setting up your own business, which as you know, is can be incredibly hard. It's like yeah. a huge roller coaster. Um And also like being able to um, kind of adopt to changing scenarios. Um, so yeah, I think it really helped me in a weird yeah. way. Um, and I'm kind of grateful for it. It's like that whole like rise above, be empathetic. You don't really know why people Um, lash out, and I get it on social media sometimes as well, it's like, try and be empathetic and understand that they might be having a bad day, they Mm -hmm. may have come from, you know, a different upbringing from you, they might be from a different financial status, it just, it brings so many lessons of trying to go, you know, you don't know what's going on behind that person's kind of ugly side if you want to look at it like that yeah. so what's um just learn to be empathetic and understanding and and kind of move on and know that it's actually not you that's caused it yeah so it's it bullies for sure wow
0: that's really. a really interesting answer really interesting but absolutely makes sense and I love yeah it's one you often see it I've you now I've spoken to some of the other practitioners at the clinic about it just the things that happen to us throughout life and the sort of pathways that we take and there's obviously we all have different things that come up as hurdles in life but it's it's just these interesting pathways that people take from that and how they can grow and expand and then for others it can kind of push them in a different direction but yeah it's like you've taken everything from a quite a traumatic experience and used it to just grow and nurture yourself and yeah I, I think it's pretty amazing
1: yeah Thank you, my love. I think it's definitely a mindset thing. And for some reason, I feel like I've been blessed with a really um, kind of growth mindset of taking obstacles and turning them into good things. So um, very fortunately, I've been able to hold on to that, which has definitely helped me through. Mm. So number
0: four, what is something that you're really good at that most people wouldn't know about you?
1: Oh, (laughs) this is so yucky and embarrassing. Um, I... I actually am fairly good at musical theatre. Ooh! Really. Um... Yeah, I had training when I was younger. Because oh. so, so, speaking of being a grade A student, my parents were actually worried about how much time I spent on my homework at home. And then, well. <laughs> like the opposite of what you expect from a child. And so, um, they tried to get me to do something social and fun because I hated sport. Um, and they're like, okay, what do you really like doing? I'm like, I love singing. They're like, cool. We'll we'll book you in for some singing lessons. And they sent me to this place who actually they actually specialised in musical theatre, which I didn't know at the time. So mm-hmm. I did a couple of recordings and thought it was quite cool and then they put me in some musicals um, and I think I did like three or four musicals and ended up um, looking into going to Juilliard in London um, and yeah and like, I love rapping and all sorts of weird stuff um, but yeah that's how it all started and so and my mum's actually um, a childhood opera singer she really? went to Antwerp and like opened a couple of schools and was like the head wow. singer she's super great voice so I think it was just around it when I was a kid and I used to hear her singing in the shower oh. and stuff and I just loved it. So, um, yeah, so now I annoyingly sing all the time. Like if I'm out in the supermarket, <laughs> I'll just like start singing and forget that I'm out in public. It's awful.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I bet you it's not awful yeah. by the sound of it. People are like, what is that? What is that beautiful sound?
1: <laughs> Less beautiful now I'm out with people, to be quite honest. But um, but I do, I really enjoy it. It's like a nice expression <laughs> to um, when I'm when I'm doing like food plating and stuff I get to sing all day and nobody hears it, so um...
0: <laughs> oh love it and lastly in this section what is something that you have never been able to do well maybe something that just gets under your skin a bit you're like oh I wish I could do that
1: can I I'm going to be a bit controversial and just say um, taking criticism and failure I, I actually, it makes me so mad. I, I, like, I don't it. take it well. So if someone criticizes me, I'm like, hang on a minute. And I get really like, defensive and yucky. When really I should just be like, I've probably got a fair point. like just take that on the chin. And I can't. Um, so, and I also hate stuff that I'm not good at straight away. So like, I, I know stuff takes work, right? But like, yeah. for example, I bought a guitar before Christmas and I like played on it a few times. I'm like, I actually can't do this. And it stayed in the cupboard collecting dust since then. It's just like, that's not for me. Um, <laughs> Which is super unhelpful, right? And I also, I'm terrible at relaxing, which is not my jam. I can't relax. So There's probably quite a few things I'm terrible at. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, failure, criticism and relaxing.
0: Man, I can relate to some. I definitely can relate to some of those. I'm like particularly bad with criticism if it's food-based. I just, like, I'm, I can handle, actually, the recent recipe post I put up had a little bit of a blog spiel about this in in clinic. It's kind of like, yeah, that's fine. You don't like that food or you didn't like that recipe. But if you come into my house and I cook for you or make you something and you don't like it, like, beware. (laughs) You you don't want to say anything (laughs) bad. I I can't handle it.
1: We probably... I can't handle it. And I think I, I've come to the conclusion that I'm not good at it because I don't dish it out very often. And I can't understand the people that dish it to me because I'm like, how do you have time <laughs> yes. to write mean comments about my salad or oh, whatever? Yes. You know, like It's okay that you didn't enjoy the volume of walnuts. I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, it, it's, just, it's I just hate it because I, I, I don't spend my time ha- dishing it out to people. I can't, yeah, I just don't understand but I really should take it on the chin and listen to people sometimes. It's not
0: helpful. <laughs> oh, okay, let's move on to our food area, food questions. Number six, another big question for for people who love food. How has food shaped your life?
1: Ooh. Oh, well, to be fair, it's ended up being my career. So that's mm. been obviously a huge shaper in that sense. Um. But also, I think, so my family, just again, to give a bit of backstory, have, have kind of suffered with depression, growth on my, um, so kind of on my mum's side, and then my dad had a bit of a, a generalised anxiety disorder, and my brother uh, also has depression, which is monitored with, or like, kind of managed with meds, um, and so, I, and I started off having panic attacks at like 17, 18 years old, quite debilitating months mm. when I was, when I started going to uni, um, and yeah, I just I'm, I feel like I'm very predisposed from that perspective, once from obviously seeing it as a child, but also um, genetically kind of predisposed to that kind of thing. Yeah. And so I've really helpfully found that food helps to regulate my um, kind of my mood and my hormone balance. Mm-hmm. And I know now I'm educated a, a little bit more in food doing the degree. I understand the types of how the different types of food impact um, hormone regulation. Um, and like, for example, by accident, this is going to sound really random, but I um, I fell into um, an eating disorder called orthorexia mm-hmm. about seven years ago, which um, I guess you're very familiar with, yeah. but um, it's just kind of the obsession of eating clean and healthy rather than being thin or whatever like anorexia might be. Um, and I kind of fell into that because I was so interested in nutrition that everything I read is it's so conflicting online, right? You know, don't eat carbs, do eat carbs, yeah. don't eat this, don't eat that, but... It got to the point where um, I barely ate anything. I was just like, "Oh, that's not clean. I can't eat this. I can't eat that," um, and so I cut out mostly all fats. Um, and it affected my period. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you're not producing your hormones like you ordinarily would as a woman. My body fat dropped incredibly low, um, and yeah, and I stopped having periods. So I went to the GP and obviously got the diagnosis. But then um, I. Was then told, look, you've got to get your fats up in quite like a, a lot higher than they are, um, mm-hmm. or than they were, uh, to get you to get your hormones back into For balance. Sure. Um So yeah, it's just fascinating how it's kind of It's shaped my life from a kind of more of a mental health perspective, interestingly, mm-hmm. and from a because uh, it's affected me in a couple of different ways. And um, I've seen members of my family be uh, not have a great diet and and have a lot of kind of mood disorders and things. So I think that's kind of not that, uh, that the, the the food's the only thing that impacts your mood and, and depression and things like that, but it can definitely um, contribute. And so that's that's kind of been how it's shaped. I guess it's mm. shaped me and my my journey, which is it's been incredibly interesting. So I don't think people, or a lot of people, realise how much it can impact mood and um, and hormone balance and things mm-hmm. like
0: that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, and you've you classically been able to take obviously so much that you've experienced yourself. And then that becomes like even more of a driving passion that you can take into going forward as a nutritionist and recognising some of those, again, going back to like behaviours and habits, um, you know, it sort of all links together. But yeah, it's obviously we're both preaching this to the converted as far as, (laughs) as that powerful effect that food has beside that basis of like calories in, calories out, like particularly you know, when with women in regards to our hormones and, and what a very, very um, profound effect nutrition has in that space and particularly lack of nutrition. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think um one of the GPs said to me a very long time ago, actually, when I first started having panic attacks, that I was actually having a lot of stimulants in my diet that I didn't mm. realise I was having. Mm-hmm. So, like, I wasn't even drinking coffee at the time, but I was having a lot of dark chocolate, which is yep. obviously a stimulant if you have it before bed. Um, and it has caffeine in it so it's, that's not helpful um but also things like alcohol um and i think um like red bull and all that rubbish its obviously yeah. got lots of caffeine in like pre-workout and there's obviously a million different ways you can get stimulants through your diet that isn't um necessarily caffeine mm-hmm. and i didn't really recognize that and so mm. um i was having stuff going through you need to try and keep me awake and alive yep. <laughs> after no sleep um and and i was encouraging myself to have panic attacks because my adrenaline and my um, my cortisol was so high all the time so i was just like man. run but i was actually running on empty and i was just burning through my adrenals Such and, a vicious and cycle. having all these crazy panic attacks so then when i started to cut all that out and i started exercising to help burn off that extra adrenaline um everything started to level out and started yeah. to feel like a normal human again which yeah. is fab so um that was a huge learning curve for me. And mm. I, I didn't really um, understand the gravity of the food I was kind of taking and mm-hmm. how it was impacting my panic attacks. But it, it had a huge – it made a huge difference.
0: Yeah. We're going to move into a few little rapid-fire ones here. So it's yeah. Saturday afternoon, 4 p.m., cup of herbal tea, hot milk drink, or a glass of wine. What would be your choice?
1: Oh, definitely the first. I don't drink, babe. Don't drink? <laughs> no, do you know because it's a stimulant, right? So ever since I got told that it gave me panic attacks, I'm like, I'm not gonna have it anymore. I'm over it. So I just don't have. I don't drink
0: from that. From that moment when you were told, you're like, no, yeah. that's it. I'm cutting it out.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I start. I like weaned off it pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I think I had like one or two with a couple of mates, and then yeah, yeah and that was it. I was like, I'm done now. I don't mm. need to, I Don't want to spend money on it. Um, and every time my mates had parties, I used to go to the gym at night.
0: <laughs>
1: so I'm, so anti-social. Like, <laughs> I just don't want to be around drunk, drunk people. Oh, and so I know. Yeah. And then into adulthood, I've just like, yeah, I might have one at Christmas, but that's it. Yeah, it yeah.
0: Me. It's certainly becoming more and more popular, more socially acceptable, which I love seeing. Particularly, like, I don't know, for for myself, and when I was, I guess, in my sort of late teens and into twenties, just the difference to now, how I see alcohol with the the different um, sort of expectations in society like there's not I think we still have a lot of pressure in Australia as far as being a a, a culture that has so much enveloped around alcohol but yeah you certainly wouldn't be able to go to bars and buy um, beautiful cocktails now made with alcohol-free spirits and I mean there's a there's a uh, cocktail bar opening here in Melbourne which I'm really excited about which is zero alcohol like it's 100% beautiful cocktails using some of the like really amazing brands now that're doing interesting work that isn't just like a yeah. orange juice spiked with some lime juice and a bit of extra sugar syrup. you know it's like yeah. okay, let's get yeah. serious yeah, about these people and giving them some choices.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's awesome. I think we, yeah, you're right. We're getting to this pack mentality as humans of like, if I do something, you should do something. Like, if I have a piece of cake, don't make me feel guilty. You should have a piece too. But it's the same thing with with alcohol. People are like, oh, if I'm going to have a glass, don't make me feel bad of having a glass of wine on my own. Have have one so I don't feel bad. It's like, I'm fine without the wine. You yep. should be too. You can you can have one, and you should be fine with that too. It's just like just deal with your choice. But yeah, and um, yeah, we always try, I think people try and convince others into their way of doing mm-hmm. to make themselves feel better. Or yeah, hundred percent. Or something's a bit strange. But hopefully, we're moving away from that a little bit now. Yeah.
0: Number eight. What's your execution meal? So that last meal that you could have, and that's it. What would it be? It's a hard one, I know. Oh,
1: my- god oh my god no mine's always the same. i get asked this quite a lot it's always the same thing it's really going i'd probably have oysters to begin yeah and um, or maybe some sushi and then i would do crispy skin salmon with heaps of um air fryer veg
0: oh probably
1: not that healthy but i love it like <laughs> asparagus in the air fryer is my latest addiction ah. um and then for dessert i'd have jam this is really english jam roly poly and custard
0: i don't even know what that is
1: <laughs> Dude, you need to Google it and make yourself one. It's basically like this gross, I shouldn't say gross, it's made with like this weird dough that's called suet.
0: Oh, I yes, I know yeah. what suet is. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, so it's suet and then it's like spread into a sheet and then covered in jam and then rolled oh, into yum. a log and then you slice it and then you serve it with custard. It's the best. Oh, it's just yeah. sugary as hell and it's delicious and stodgy <laughs> and best for winter. <laughs>
0: Yeah, love it, love it. You're covering all of the things with that. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, number nine, wagyu, truffle or lobster? What would be your go-to out of those three options?
1: Uh, lobster, for mm. sure. I'm seafood all the way, baby.
0: Yeah, right. Interesting. And
1: I love I don't know what it is about seafood. It's just my, my thing. I could eat it all day every day.
0: People seem to either be seafood lovers or meh about it. There doesn't seem to be much in yeah. between. I see that all the time. And then the people are really passionate like about Vegemite. hating
1: seafood too. Yeah. As, it's like Vegemite, isn't it? You, yeah. have you love it or you hate it. Yeah, like exactly. You're, or you're not. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Seafood. Like, I, I literally live at um, the seafood markets on weekends. It's the bombs breakfast lunch and dinner
0: number 10 sweet savory bitter or umami what is your sort of fave uh,
1: okay can i say sweet with salt on top
0: ah uh, yeah i reckon I've you can a, a,
1: a... <laughs> because, because it's not sa- it's not savory. I like I will, ha- I generally have a smoothie bowl or oats in the morning with a pinch of salt. Mm-hmm. Like it's the be- It's just the best because I like bringing the sweetness out. So I kind of like both. But I, if I had to pick, I'd say sweet.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Number eleven. So if until this point you had no dietary restrictions, so you were sort of able to eat whatever you wanted to, then you were told you were intolerant to either gluten dairy or eggs which would you choose
1: gluten for sure yeah. actually i don't eat that much gluten as it stands i think but i know it's in so many foods and all the poor gluten-free people out there <laughs> must be like oh god no you don't want it it's, don't <laughs> don't pick this one um but i do eat a lot of dairy and i do eat a lot of eggs yeah so i feel like that would ruin half my intake of food yes. one of those.
0: I feel like dairy is the easiest out of those three. Like it, it, there's a difference between gluten intolerance to like a celiac. Like I get that that would be harder. But yeah, I think if you eat generally a whole food diet, you tend to not eat a lot of gluten anyway. So it's definitely True. a little bit easier.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Pick the easiest.
0: So 12, what's something that your parents cook when you're a child that you do didn't like and you still don't like to this day or conversely if there is something that's the opposite of that something that um you like now
1: um overcooked veg it just got so much of that with chewy meat
0: oh always
1: like being cooked, I know, just make sure on a gag. It's like being cooked for like 5,000 hours and charred and just awful. And like not being able to leave the table until you finish your meal.
0: Yes. So I
1: used to have, used to have like a huge glass of orange juice with every meal and I'd put tiny pieces in my mouth and then swallow it and gulp it back. because just, I just could not chew it. It was gross. Um, uh. But now I like, I literally blanch my veggies until they're barely, the barely seen hot water. Just crispy as like they're basically out the ground. As well. I like them. Um, and and I do still eat a bit of red meat here and there, but it's like medium rare. So they've, they've converted me. Oh, uh, the they've
0: traumatized you through. You just like cracks me up. Your orange juice, um, what you did there. My my <laughs> husband used to take it a step further, and he would like hold the food in parts of his cheeks, just right back, and then he'd get up and go to the toilet and
1: spit. <laughs> The toilet. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. That's actually an eating disorder in the making <laughs> right there, yes. P- Parental enforced. Yeah. That's terrible. Uh, oh, that's, but, savvy, but
0: savvy. Very, yeah, exactly. Terrible, that. but savvy. Okay, nice. <laughs> <sighs> Number 13, what food combination do you want to ban? Is there anything that you're just like, oh, that is wrong? Why would people do that?
1: Um, <laughs> this is gonna sound random sushi and coffee
0: oh. <laughs> i don't think I i've don't ever think had those um, together
1: dude do you know i've been traveling all over new south wales recently because we can't travel obviously internationally oh we're getting there but we can't at the moment um there are so many places that sell sushi and coffee really together together i'm like, i just can't <laughs> I, i'm so upset by it cause it's like this beautiful <laughs> fresh seafood <laughs> And like well-prepared rice that's taken two or three hours and then like stunning seaweed. And then the mixing it with roasted coffee beans. I, I don't get that. I don't know why yeah. you have the two at the same time.
0: Particularly seafood, on in. the milky, Italian. like milky coffee too, like milky with seafood, which is so like clean. Like when I yeah, think I of sushi, I want like, yeah, the, I love like my salmon and my like raw tuna. So everything's like fresh and clean on the palate and then just putting Lemon. like a... Yeah. yeah. i, can, I Green can tea get that. would be
1: fine, but co- milky coffee, like a latte and a sushi <laughs> bite? No, thank you.
0: I <laughs> oh, love it. <laughs> 14, last one in this section. What food combination do you want to enforce? Is there a combo of Ooh. something you're like, you have to have this?
1: Yeah, and everybody laughs at me on social media for this, so just please feel free to go ahead and do that the same here um, cottage cheese and berries blended together taste like cheesecake and everyone bags it out and it is the best thing you've ever tasted in your life i totally
0: get that i don't i don't understand why people wouldn't like there's there's recipes that are based on that for like old school cheesecakes. i put it
1: in my every day
0: yeah. Every
1: day after a workout instead of protein powder because it's like a whole foods version. Yeah. And it's so creamy and delicious and everyone thinks it's really weird. It's like why are you what? putting cheese and berries together? That's gross. It's like, it's no. Not, it doesn't taste like cheese. It tastes like cheesecake.
0: <laughs> I love – I haven't had it for ages because I don't do dairy anymore. Um, but my parents got me onto this was on toast though, cottage cheese – banana sliced banana chopped up walnuts and then a sprinkle of cinnamon or even more weird alfalfa sprouts or mung beans
1: i was with you until the alfalfa (laughs) and then i got upset
0: (laughs) (laughs) you had to ruin it with the alfalfa yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) they were just trying to make you healthy weren't they we'll just sprinkle some
0: green (laughs) it's the crunch (laughs)
1: Oh bless them! Oh. That's bad. I wish my parents even my parents definitely did not know what alfalfa sprouts were. so I hate to say that. We used to get boil-in-the-bag fish. Oof. Did you ever
0: have that as a kid? Uh, uh
1: nah. Hmm, it's delicious. You could you basically submerge like a vac packed piece of fish in sauce that's definitely never seen a fish. It's like a square cube of white, like something and then they'd put it in like a disgusting sauce and then it was backpacked and you get it in freezer packs from bird's eye and then you'd put them into you submerge them into boiling water and i used to get that with oven chips pretty much every night of the week
0: whoa that's intense it
1: was so bad <laughs> you your fancy cottage cheese and apple I and
0: <laughs> so fancy <clears throat> that's what happens when you have hippie parents
1: <laughs> i feel shamed
0: <laughs> all right our last section is lifestyle so oh this is a big question for you uh how important is fitness to you
1: oh it's everything man i shouldn't say that because it like everything in balance but for me I, i've just started to have a rest day once a week for the first time in probably i don't know 15 years of training wow which is really really do- dumb and ridiculous um so, because I'm, I think I'm a little bit addicted to it, or mm. I should say, I, I don't feel good when I don't exercise. Like I don't get the endorphins, mm. and so um, I don't feel like my mind's as sharp. It's a bit like having a coffee. Yeah, like it I get it. makes me feel sharp. It makes mm. me feel productive. Um, I get so much more done in my day. My digestion's running on. It feels better. Like it's mm. a bit more efficient. I don't feel as lethargic. It's just like I just there's nothing I don't like about it. Yeah. Um and it works for me and you know I like i like getting up and going out and doing something first thing when the sun's rising it just makes me feel fab and like like i'm making use of my morning mm-hmm. so um so yeah it's really really important to me and look i never used to be into fitness at all but it, as i was saying the same gp that told me who i needed to kind of cut back on the stimulants with food to stop the um the panic attacks also told me to get a gym membership and i've never looked back uh. since then
0: you're good um, at taking the advice and like going with it
1: well, i know dedicate. i'm not anymore but like back in the day i was like yeah i'll take this on i'm just gonna run with it and i it ended up becoming a habit right you no know, one, yep. everyone says to me don't you so motivated to get up and go to the gym habit, fact, yeah there's no motivation there babes <laughs> it's once you're doing it every yeah, single day what you, don't you do really think about it just, yeah yeah it's just like how everybody gets up and you know has a drink of water or brushes the teeth it's like you just don't think about it yeah um and it just gives me that hit of happy hormones in the morning so i really do have to force myself to take a day off but i'm getting there it's a a work in progress because i know how important it is to have balance and like your body needs to rest
0: yeah yeah take take time off yeah
1: um but yeah it's probably too important if that's a real answer
0: yeah (laughs) wow so those rest days are you are you doing like low level exercise just out of interest like do you go all right well i won't do i'll go do a yoga class today i'll just go for a walk
1: see yoga to me would be a day off
0: yeah yeah
1: but yeah so but i will i yeah i will go and do a walk because otherwise i can't i just feel gross being in the house yeah so like i i'm really lucky i live right by the water that leads to the opera house and it's probably like a 40 minute round trip so it's not huge okay um but i'll put a pod i'll put a podcast in and i'll do a slow walk so i'm yep. outside i've literally moved my limbs a little bit but i'm going so slow and i'm normally yep. catching up on emails and doing a million different things at yeah,
0: once yeah yeah <laughs> yeah
1: um but it's just fresh air and sunshine and, and yeah. yeah moving a little bit but yeah i definitely do a walk Yep. all right let's go into a few more rapid fire
0: um long weekend at Gwingana Lifestyle Resort or with the girlfriends at the beach, which would be your go-to? Oh,
1: shit. Uh, <laughs> girlfriends, sorry, censor this. Uh, girlfriends no. at the beach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a hard one, I totally get that. Sometimes it's like, oh, what? how do I feel right now? Am I, am I just about to like get my period and I want to go into a cocoon and just re-wrapped up at Queen Garner and no one talk to me? <laughs> or do I want to hang out with my besties? <laughs> Dude,
1: I'm not like that when I'm on my period. I'm like that like 30 hours, 31 days a month. No <laughs> one talked to me. Um, but uh, yeah, funnily enough, I, um, I, I get a lot of that. I'm really, really lucky that I get to do a lot of that stuff through work, right? Yeah. So um to me that I would just be like, oh god, loads of Instagram stories and stuff, I can't really be bothered. <laughs> so hanging out with my girlfriends at the beach is actually a really great yeah. really occasion where I'm actually social. Um and so I definitely pick that as a relaxing time, weirdly yeah. enough.
0: Seventeen uh, would you or oh, I think we know the answer to this one. Would you rather get up early or stay up late?
1: Oh early for sure. Yeah. I guess, dude, I'm in bed by eight, yeah. <laughs> like it's just i'm just old 34 <laughs> i'm
0: ticking on yeah but you're up early you're again you're up and at it and you've got your sort of workouts that you're doing so it just it makes sense
1: yeah i'm a 5am chick
0: 18 would you rather not brush your teeth for a week or not shower for a week oh, both gross, I- right
1: both gross i would not brush my teeth for a week and eat loads of peppermint leaves <laughs> i love it this question everyone's
0: got something to help out whichever one that they go with i love it <laughs> just like okay i'll do this and to help i would do this <laughs>
1: just... <laughs> to mitigate the horribleness of the scenario.
0: Yeah. i had a mom who was just like no i would brush my teeth and then i would just use the baby wipes to like clean my pits every day <laughs>
1: oh that's a good see that's a backpacker shower i would do that yeah too. and dry and dry shampoo right
0: yeah yeah all the things
1: mm. I'd do either i'd be i'd take either just don't force me to do it
0: <laughs> 19 what is most possibly the most annoying thing ever
1: oh people chewing with their mouths open
0: yeah pretty feral
1: oh, It's just it upsets me beyond belief <laughs> kind of, Oh. Or when people don't say thank you and you held the door open for them. Yes. That me
0: as well. Yep, yep. Can you handle people eating, even if they've like got their mouth shut, but it's quiet and you can hear them chewing? Are you okay with that?
1: I'm fine. I'm fine with noise of, of eating. They, I just yep. can't deal with like seeing half masticated food like mauling <laughs> around in people's <laughs> mouths, or they're trying to communicate with me. I'm like, you can just wait. I will wait till you've swallowed. <laughs>
0: And number 20, if you could write a new law that everyone in the world had to follow, what would it be?
1: Oh, mine would be nutrition education in high schools. And everyone has to do its compulsory education.
0: Yeah, love it. Just absolutely love it. I, yeah, don't get me started on that one. I think that is a really know, good answer. It's a can of worms. <laughs> Let's not go
1: into that. But I would definitely, that would be my law. It would be everyone has to go through nutrition education in school. Yeah. Go show.
0: Wow. Thank you so much. Do you want to just let our listeners know where they can find you if they want to know a bit more? And also um, you mentioned about obviously your podcast um, and also you mentioned about your food photography. Like there's a lot of different things you've got going on, but the books as well. Like tell everyone about your books.
1: Oh, thank you so much, my love. Yeah, so I'm at the Fit Foodie blog on social media, and that's the same name as my blog. Um, And then I also have something called Food Pro Studio at the moment, which is in the making, which is going to be teaching food photography and styling. So you can find that on Instagram. Um, and then there's also uh, Sally O'Neill Stylist for all my photography and whatnot. And then on top of that, there's the podcast called Wellness Factor Fiction, if you want to go and have a listen to those supplements that we kind of tear apart mm. with science. Uh, but it's fun, I promise it's not really boring and <sighs> science uh, we we keep it light, um, and there's a lot of girl chat as well. So yeah, head over to there if you're interested to listen whether fat burners are actually useful or not. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's I feel like I've got like a thousand social media accounts. but just like, I'd Some questions if you're lost, because it might just be easier.
0: <laughs> I also want to just give a shout out to your like I know you have got your couple of books, but the the um, fit foodie meal prep plan book it is such a great book and it's one that we have recommended to clients in the clinic like it's a really awesome book for getting your shit together and batch cooking but also understanding how to like have some some basics of a meal and then put them together in different ways to create different meal options through the week like it's it's a really Bloody great book sell so I just want to like
1: bless you, my lord. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's just it was just born out of people seeing people do meal prep and eat the same thing five times a week until they get like so bored of it. I'm like, that's (laughs) dumb. Let's let's come up with a way of like cooking a protein and then um, there's like a, a, a basically like maths equation chapter where it's like. Add this plus this plus this yeah. this meal, and then or add this 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 and this this and equals this meal. So, yeah, it sets you up for the week, and it's um there's no like kind of diet to follow. It kind of fits everybody's restrictions because you're obviously building your own meal. Mm. Um, but it tells you how to cook out cook all the proteins perfectly and all the sides and all that jazz, and then you're ready to kind of DIY and build. Yeah. But, um, your your book's incredible as well, so congratulations on that. Thank matter. you. Oh, I so privileged to really like got a copy. A little legend.
0: <laughs> I do love it. They're like your little baby, what? aren't they?
1: <laughs> oh my god, such a labour of love, my friend. And I think like the average person understands how much goes on behind the scenes in a, like Ugh. the writing and creating of a book. Yep. It's just a minefield and it's the normally the time frames are pretty damn short. Yeah. Um <clears throat> but yeah whatever you think it is times that by ten. <laughs> exactly. And blood. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well wonderful thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. And you take care.
1: Thank you so much Mello. And thank you so much.